Hello and welcome to the Sean L. Show, intimate conversations about music, sex, and life in New York City. My guest today is Dr. Joe Court, a psychotherapist and is the clinical director and founder of the Center for Relationships and Sexual Health in Royal Oak, Michigan. He is a board-certified clinical sexologist, author of four books, lecturer, and facilitator of therapeutic workshops. Throughout his 36 years of private practice, he successfully utilized varying therapy modalities to help hundreds of individuals and couples improve their lives and strengthen their relationships. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's so good to have you here. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, I love doing podcasts and talking about the stuff that you want to talk about. It sounds great. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so this is a podcast about music and sex. So we should, I should also say that my co-host today is my friend Lucas, who has uh, podcast um, several times. Yeah, good to be back. Welcome back, Lucas. Um, so we should talk about how we know each other, since this is a podcast about uh, music and sex. So how did we meet? How do you, how do we know each other? We know each other from going to Diana Ross concerts and being in the front row, although I had gone for a while and met all the fans and never met you, and people had talked about you, and I'm like, I never met this guy, and then you came one night in a suit. You were like in a full suit. Is that how you go to the concerts? (laughs) Not always, but I think that we met in Washington, D.C., Yeah. so she was playing um, the Kennedy Center with the um, full orchestra, so I felt like I should dress to that respect to Mm. the orchestra. I'm like a very much like an arts like snob. So like I dress up when I go to like Broadway. I just think it's respectful to like the artists. And then like, depending on what venue she plays, I will dress up a little bit nicer. Like Radio City, I will sometimes dress up a little bit nicer because it's just like a nod to the grandeur of the venue and the event. Like, I think that, too, when I think about Diana Ross as somebody that, like, has been doing this since the 60s and 70s, I think about her playing, like, supper clubs and, like, just places where people used to really dress for those events. And so sometimes at a really nice venue, or if she's with an orchestra, I will dress up in a suit. (laughs) That makes total sense, because I didn't understand. I just thought you were a formal Diana Ross fan. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So the icebreaker question for the podcast is sort of, uh, what are you listening to? What's in your headphones? What are you loving right now? It can be Diana Ross or it can be anything that you're enjoying. Oh, for me, I I listen to Dan Savage all the time. Savage Love. It's about um, human sexuality of all kinds, but uh, he does a lot of great LGBT kink and fetish uh, discussions and questions that he answers. Yes. He was one of my inspirations for starting this podcast. because I wanted it to be sort of a Q&A and like advice podcast because I think I give good advice, but uh, people have not felt vulnerable enough or trustworthy, trusting enough to ask me their questions. So it has not yet really become an advice podcast, but we'll see how we go and how we grow. But what, um, what music is in your headphones these days? Oh my God, Lizzo. I am in love with Lizzo. Not just her music, which I think is phenomenal and her voice, but just her, she has completely changed the way I see bigger women. Mm. I, I just, I, I had my own bias. I mean, I wasn't mean about it, but I just would, I would think to myself, mm, you shouldn't wear that or that doesn't really look great on you for a bigger woman. 
I don't feel that way at all anymore. She's completely changed uh, the way I look at it. And I just love her for that. Yeah, I yeah. love that too, because she's she's not unhappy. So why should anyone else be unhappy? She's enjoying and living her best life. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. Um, I love the new Lizzo album as well. I love the uh, track Coldplay and I love uh, Naked. I think it's so beautifully arranged and it gives me like those old school Janet vibes. So I always love that. Mm. What are you listening to, you Lucas? Do always have that. Well, of course, uh, having been released on the 29th, I've been listening to the Beyonce album Renaissance. Um, it's fun. It, it took me a little bit longer to get into than some of the other albums. I think it doesn't give itself to you right away, I don't I think, agree. which I, I do kind of like. But now that we're a, a week in, essentially, um, I'm really, really jamming to it. It's yeah. good. Um, and, and it kind of goes through. Of course, there's like this sort of like dancey pop vibe to the whole thing. But there are some really like soulful elements and she's she's sampling and um, bringing in a lot of different elements, which I think um, is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty heavily like influenced. Like there are things from all over music yeah. and decades. And um, yeah, the Grace Jones track uh, move is really cool yeah. that she like still, you know, is, is doing that. And they had a beef at one point, I think. But really, now, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Grace Jones thought that she was just trying to be like everyone else and she wasn't unique and you know couldn't couldn't really like hold her own but i guess they've resolved that because that's now they're great. together yeah that's great it's really it's cool i had a similar reaction to that album like it didn't hit me right away but then as i listen more it it does it takes you away and you hear more and more and more references yeah. and interpolations and samples yeah. and it's it's just really really cleverly done but i think it's so hard to follow self-titled and lemonade mm -hmm. like those are such groundbreaking albums that it's you know anything can sort of yeah potentially pale in comparison i also think too there's like that element of the hype that was surrounding it for so long um that it it's it, do you know what i mean it's like yeah. when someone tells you that something's gonna be funny and they're like, it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your whole life. And then you see it and you're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. <laughs> album, it's like, oh, my God, it's going to be the best thing in music history ever. And then yeah. you listen to it and you're like, yeah, I mean, it's good. But yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to live up to, like, all these expectations that I think a lot of people put on, on her, especially after having something, you know, it's, what, six years? Yeah. Yeah. I also thought it was going to be more disco. Yeah. And it's a lot of house and trap and like there is some disco elements, but it's not overly disco, which is what I was what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the nitty gritty. So I have so many things I want to talk to you about, Joe. So tell me about your offices in Michigan, because one story that I thought was so fascinating, I think you've moved buildings now, but you previously had a location and the word sex was like in your in the name of your office because that's what you do you're a sex and relationship therapist and they the town had like an issue with it what was the story behind this because i thought that this was so shocking and i wanted you to tell this story because i think that it's important that we evolve beyond these types of things and, and yeah and crazy it was like 2019 right before covid maybe a year before covid this happened so it wasn't that long ago so no, what happened was I am in a building that was fine with the name of my center. It's called the Center for Relationship and Sexual Health. And we have the signage out in the um, directories. And then we grew to a place where I needed more room and the building didn't have more room. So I 
found another building across the street, signed a lease, security deposit, build out. I even put money into the build out. And a year later, when we were going to move there, <clears throat> um, three weeks before we were going to move in, a female middle-aged pediatrician who had been in that building forever said, no, 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 because the signage had gone up in the directories. And she said, I'm not having pedophiles in the building. And I did the same thing. I'm like, pedophile, like we don't work with non-consent. That's not sexual health. That's that's sex offending. That's perpetration. That's different. So I went and talked with her and the landlords were saying, we're going to take it down. I said, let me talk to her. And she said, you'd have to guarantee me that a pedophile will never be in this building. And I said, you would have to guarantee me that a pedophile is, how can I, nobody can guarantee, but I can guarantee you that that's not, well, my clients are going to see it. I'm going to lose business. So I said to the landlords, if you take down my signage, I am not coming. I'm not having a client who's confused and upset and having to figure out where we are when they get in the building. I want it to be like any other business. So I had a lawyer up. They lawyered up. It was ugly. I was on the news every day. And in the meantime, um, space right next to us had opened up. It was perfect. And so we just took that over. And it was, so it worked out. But I here's what I always say. In the 90s and 80s, when I was a working therapist, People wouldn't didn't like the word gay in their in their name. They didn't even want gay. therapists were like, no, 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 that's going to ghettoize me. And I wasn't going to whisper the term gay in the 90s. And I'm sure as hell not whispering sexual health in 2022. I'm not doing that. Go off. Yes. Right. <laughs> we need. Yes, that's amazing. That's amazing. So recently you have. Well, I guess it's not that recent. It's it's been for a little while now. You are a TikTok like superstar, which is so yeah. funny because people started sending me your videos and I was like, no, this is my friend. I know this guy. <laughs> and then I was like looking at your follower count and I was like, Joe Gord is super famous on TikTok. How did this come about? So, um, you know, all my social media, like Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff is not big following. If you look, my Instagram's growing, but and you know, people are following me who like me. So I'll post something They're like, oh yeah, that's great. Joe Court, we agree. But TikTok's different, right? And, you know, there's like you follow other people's For You page. My social media team said, we think you should do it. We think you'd be a natural. And I wasn't sure. And so I did. And what my thing was that got me so popular on there and still is, is um, when I talk about straight men who have sex with men, that they're not gay and they're not bi. And people flip the fuck out. They can't. They're like, oh, yeah, women can do it. Gay guys can have sex with women. Lesbians can have sex with men, but straight guys with other men? No way. So I just did video after video. And then one went viral twice. And that moved me up to, like it has a few million people have watched that. Wow. That is amazing. So talk a little bit about that since that's the hot button issue that sort of like shot you to the stratosphere. What What is your theory behind that? And what are people's reactions, both positive and negative? Yeah, I'll tell you. Well, so let me just tell you, first of all, you know, I think it's a lot of people. I don't know. You you probably feel the way, too. You're both young and you're doing podcasts. You want to go viral. It's kind of like, God, I hope this goes viral and I get famous. Yeah. But when it happens to you, it is scary as hell. Like, I was like, because, you know, people are like, well, I thought, you know how Mommy Dearest, you don't know this, you guys are young. Maybe you'll know the story behind it. That movie was supposed to be serious. That was going to be an Emmy-nominated uh, performance of uh, Faye Dunaway and the movie. But it turned out to be this huge camp thing. So here's my video. I'm in the gym. Really, I only, so normally I do a video right here or I'm outside. And I decided to do it in the gym just for a different view. I wasn't even thinking about masculinity issues in the gym. But it worked out. So it was like a perfect storm. Anyways, people were threatening my license. People were threatening to come and harm me. 
People were co- threatening to have me canceled. I, I thought I was going to become camp. I thought people, it was really, really, so you have to prepare for that. If you're going to go viral, uh-huh. and I almost took it down, and people were like, it would probably be best if you took this down, you little bitch. Um, you're wearing your little bitch gloves. Um, and then <clears throat> the other thing that happened, <clears throat> just so you know, and then I'll tell you about the, the topic, is people started making fun of my hair because I wear a hairpiece. And it was a lot shorter when I first started TikTok. So people who can tell I'm wearing a hairpiece would make fun of me. Like, I can't hear you behind your hair. Your weave is too thick. And I don't know if I can. And they were like screwing with me. I am not embarrassed about wearing a hairpiece. I was like, you want to know something? Go fuck yourself. I wear a hairpiece. I took it off. I went to the service. We did a service. I'm like, here you go. And now Hair Club actually found me. And now I'm an ambassador for them, a brand ambassador for hair clubs. And I'm wearing it, you know. That's great. So it all works out, but it's really, really scary because I think people were it, it like hits on misogyny and sexism and patriarchy. Here I am sticking up for straight men at a time when nobody wants to stick up for heterosexual cisgender straight men. But, <laughs> yeah. And I understand why we wouldn't in, in the areas that we, we target them, but targeting them about having sex with other men. What I was basically saying is when women have one non heterosexual thought. She's fetishized. When a man has a non-heterosexual thought, he's stigmatized. Both are problematic, and we need to be able to look at that. And so people just didn't like that. They they thought if you have sex with another man, you're no longer straight unless you're a woman. Yeah, that wow. is so fascinating. So who were the people that were coming after you? Were they other straight men? Was it gay men that didn't like the this framing of this conversation? Was it a mixture of several different types of people? Well, that's a great, great question. I should really write an article about what my experience was. So uh, uh, it was, first of all, it was a lot of men uh, who were upset with it and thinking that I was on TikTok to get straight men to be sexual with me. That was, I what is that it. word? I was grooming or, you know, being uh-huh. predatory. And um, and I understand why. Oh, a lot of them were really upset about that because my here's my line in that video that that went viral. Um, I say, did you know that straight men can have sex with men and still be straight? They can, just like that. And then I realized after a, 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 these these men were coming after me that had been sexually abused. That's what a perpetrator says to a victim when they're when a male an adult male does that to a little boy. That never occurred to me. I do know that. I mean, I work with sexual abuse survivors, but that wasn't what this was about. So there was that that group. There was the group of um, a lot of religious people that were sending me Jesus things and helping, you know, like hoping that Jesus saves me. But then I was really shocked the LGBT community would have none of it. None of it. And that's when I learned that your generation. I mean, how old are you guys? Can I ask? 20s, 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm 59. In my generation and the generations before me and a little bit after me, we fought really hard to say what we do in the bedroom doesn't define who we are. What gets you off doesn't mean that's who you are. And that's not how the LGBT community feels online. They feel like, no, 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 no. If you do this in the bedroom, that's who you are. So then that became my fight on TikTok. That is so that is so There's so crazy. much to unpack with that. So yeah. let's, <laughs> I know. I know. let's I like go that. back to, okay, so you're, I, I know you, you're a very sensitive, caring person. With the sexual abuse victims, did you ever, 
like feel like you had to apologize for that? Did you ever end up addressing it? No, you. I didn't because when you do that on TikTok, I learned you get yeah. attacked even more. Right. right? Oh, you just don't want to be accountable. You're just a narcissist. So I just never did. And yeah. and there may be times I do. I talked about how, and this is a big thing, trauma. Sexually abused young males will grow up in what we call trauma reenact. What they'll do is they'll reenact the trauma. So they're having sex with men, but it's it's not sexual urges. They're trauma urges. That's mm-hmm. different. And yet you're still with a man. We can't call that gay. So I, I addressed it in that way. Mm. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, I didn't know that. I didn't mean, know. That's fascinating. No, I've um, heard of trauma. Uh, yeah, I, that's wow. Yeah, I I definitely, I saw those videos and I definitely, it did hit me kind of funny because I was like, well, if he's sleeping with a man, like he's at least by like thinking this. Um, it's not certainly nothing that I'm going to write in your comments and like get in a fight with you because I, you know, I think that you, you have good opinions and have more experience on these types of topics than me. Um, so it was never something that I was going to, you know, attack you online for, but it's funny because it did hit me and, in that way where I'm like, I think the fear from people is that it's like they get to claim the fun parts of sexuality with men, but they don't have to go through the struggles. It's like they can come for the sex and then just, you know, jump out of the whole conversation. And I think, too, like what brings to mind for me is like politicians, like Republicans that are always caught with their pants down with, you know, gay prostitutes or just gay lovers. And it's just so, the hypocrisy is so rich there. And we're often victimized by these types of men that don't identify as gay, but are sleeping with gay men or hooking up with gay men. And so I think it is really triggering for a lot of people. And so that's how I took it. And I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but I see how it's super triggering because you make a really great point about how we don't do that to women. Like women can go to college and they can hook up with women and then they go on and they identify as straight. And we don't ever question that. But with men, we're like, uh, no. And I, I think it is because men carry so much homophobic and there's so much toxic masculinity that it's like, we're holding them accountable in this way that um, I don't know. I kind of see both sides to that. And by both sides, I mean, it's an interesting argument. Not that I see the sides of the people that are online attacking you because <laughs> that's <laughs> um, But I don't mind the challenge. I loved, actually, I love sparring with somebody who's like, like what you just said, well, what about this? Great. But if you're going to come after my hair, come after my, my workout gloves I was in and call them my bitch gloves. So those are people that are triggered in there and that they'll, they're, they're yelling at me from the cheap seats of the um, right. presentation, really, right? Yeah. But no, I like what you're saying. And identity politics can't be ignored. But like, I'm, I just do this little minute video and then I follow it up with those answers. Like people make those comments, but nobody watches those. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's yeah. what happens. That's what happens. What do you think about about those things? Like when we think about, you know, politicians or just the the relationship gay men have to straight men and the way that I don't know. I, I think that, I don't know. It's, I feel like every time I meet a new straight person, a straight guy, I feel like I keep him at like an arm's length. I have to like learn that he's like, okay. Is yeah. that weird? I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do Even that? in your generation. Yeah. 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 What well, now I would think, cause don't you, where do you live? 
New York City. Yep. Yeah. So, so isn't that a place where there's like such they, there's so much less homophobia by straight men? No. You would think. Yeah. You would think, but there's also a lot of like there are a lot of like the tech bros and the finance bros and the and they are like in, in my opinion at least I think that kind of masculinity can be some of the most toxic like yeah. egotistical yeah. like you know so it, it, every once in a while if you come across someone like that like they can very much be like just as bad if not worse than oh yeah it's it's interesting like um a friend of mine recently got called the f word in the lower east side wow. just for walking yeah. around uh it's like a pack of bros and it's yeah it it definitely is um still kind of a challenge so i check i check people too yeah and and i usually meet them through their girlfriends so at least there's right. that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, usually like it's a good judge of character right with that but yeah. um yeah, yeah. I, i'll call it a meme but there's this thing online that where you know people post and it's like if your boyfriend is a homophobe you're not an ally like yeah. it's one of those things that like fought mm. during pride like because I don't know, I, it's not that I'm like afraid of straight guys, but I just keep them, they have to sort of earn my trust in a way, mm -hmm. I think. I think that makes sense. But let yeah. me tell you that straight men who have sex with men that come to my office that I've worked with forever, um, they are not homophobic. So here I have four questions. So let me just tell you, the, the men that come to see me that are dealing with this have, have often been exposed or revealed because their girlfriends or wives caught them online, right? And so they don't just, they're not normally coming to me because they're wondering. They're just doing this transactional act with another guy. Some of them like to receive anal sex because they like prostate pleasure. <clears throat> and they can find gay guys to do that for them. And everyone will say, well, if they're getting prostate pleasure and they're bottoming, then they're gay. No, bottoming, uh, I'm a gay guy and I don't bottom. <clears throat> and I don't top. And I'm gay. You know, what you do in the bedroom isn't who you are. Yeah. So, um I, why did I tell you that? Oh, because they get discovered. And so then it becomes an issue of why did you do this? And so there's so many other reasons that the men are attracted to the transactional sexual act, not to the men. They're not attracted to men. Like the three of us would maybe go to a beach and be really turned on. Like like for me, the beach, the women are in the way. You know, I'm looking at the men uh, uh, in there. And for the straight men that come to see me, they have no homophobia. They're, they're even say to me, if I'm gay, help me be gay. Like, I, I've read your books. They've read my books better than any gay guy's ever read my book. And they can quote things, and they're not gay. They don't have homophobia. They have no childhood noticing. I don't know about the two of you, but I have many memories. I didn't know it was gay, but my, you know, crushing and in the locker room. And and then the beach test, I call it, where they're only attracted to women. The men are in the way for them. And then my last question is, how, how do you want to come? Who do you want to come home to? Who's, where do you feel your sense of belonging? And straight men who have sex with men say women, heterosexuality. It's so surprising to me because I feel like I, my sexuality is so important to me and I like exploring it. And it's like, how did they get all the way to a man's dick in their ass and they never discovered pegging? Like, that's that's like where yeah. I like, how did you get all the way there? But you well, never, you weren't on Google. I, do you know oh, no, they know about pegging, but they're too afraid to tell their female partners or she has a disgust response. Then yeah. you must be gay if you like it up the ass. They yeah. don't want that tension and that all that crap in the middle of it. So they go to men because easy breezy. I don't even have to know your name. I'm out. Yeah, yeah which yeah, is yeah, yeah. not wrong. I which mean, is, is, I think, yeah. right. interesting, too, because I think that I, this is just, this is a terrible stereotype, so I'm going to get canceled. But I think that 
straight people's sex lives are not as like fun as ours. Like, I just think that they like that, that he would be afraid to have that conversation or like that she would have a disgust response. It's like, that should be your soft place to land. Like that should be your most vulnerable person. You could be the most vulnerable with mm-hmm. of anyone. And it's like, it makes me sad because things that are like, we would think of as like vanilla is like crazy in the straight world. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's just, that yeah. makes me sad. I mean, even just hearing straight women talking about anal is like a right. whole, they're like, yeah. <gasps> like, well, maybe if I'm like married for 40 years, like he could do it on his birthday. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a huge, huge deal just for that. Yeah. I want to get us on to the next topic. I want to just say also, by the way, just about online bullies. I love that you talk about your hair. Like, I think that it's, I think it's, it's helping to move just so many conversations, but just that like men also want to look good and like, it's not a bad thing. Like, I just love your no nonsense. Like, thank you. And what? Like, (laughs) like, I'm not, I'm really against man shaming. I was man shamed as a little boy, Joey, you know, court. Um, I had all kinds of bullying. All my uncle, I had all kinds of crap. And in my fifties, I'm like, fuck it. You know, this is. I'm a man, and you're not going to man shame me for any part of my whole body. Yeah, I love That's that. That's great. I love that. Yeah. So you said you mentioned earlier. So this is a good segue. You are a gay man, and you don't bottom or top, which means that you are a side. Ta-da! So uh-huh. this is a term that you coined. Yeah, I and know. it's now how long ago? Because it's so topical now because Grinder has just added it to the options of how you can identify. So I want to ask you, how long ago did you actually come up with this term? Were you? I know that you did some, um, you know, social media work with them, but were you involved um, prior to that with Grinder advocating for them to add that? What's sort of like the backstory of Side? Explain yeah. sort of what it is and and all of that. Yeah, no, it's a great question. <clears throat> and I feel really proud of it. I feel really honored that they did this, that it, then they're crediting me because that doesn't always happen in the gay community, yeah. you know, especially gay male community. You know, there's just not a lot of re- reverence to each other. But mm-hmm. this time for me, there is. Uh, I was just always ashamed. You know, guys would talk about, oh, I had fucked this guy and I bottomed and they made it sound so easy. And then Queer as Folk came out in the 90s and they made it look really easy. I remember thinking how, how ashamed I felt that that wasn't my thing. Um, but I was not ashamed enough to try it. Like I had boyfriends in my twenties and they would want to fuck me or get fucked. And I'm like, I I don't do that. I didn't have a word for it, but, and then they would go on and not, not want to be, you know, date me anymore, which was fine. I liked them, but I was not going to sacrifice what I don't like. It's just not erotic to me. And so, um, but then I became increasingly ashamed of it, but then I became a sex therapist, which helps you really redefine yourself and desensitize yourself. So in 2000. In the 2000s, all the way up until 2013, I started talking about it in my presentations, in my workshops for gay men, in my work with gay men. And and one, we were sitting around one day with a bunch of friends, and I said, if I'm not a top or I'm not a bottom, maybe I'm just a side, like a box, you know? And we all laughed. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Why can't that be the word? I mean, top and bottom isn't any – and it's a, just a clear word. And so I used it. And then in 2013, I wrote about it. And that was a big step for me. I can feel my heart – like right now, how scary that was to publish that because it's sort of coming out sexually for myself. Therapists don't normally do that, but also just the shaming, the gay male community. But I had hundreds and hundreds of emails from guys that said, thank you for the word. Thank you for the the, the visibility and making me feel normal. And that went on for almost 10 years until Grinder said, 
Um, and, and really how it happened was I have a Facebook group of 5,400 guys all over the world. Um, we call it side guys on Facebook. It's a private group. And they started a petition with Grinder. And one day I woke up and there it was. That's how it what, what happened. They didn't contact me. Oh, that's very wow. cool. That's very cool. And so then, but then once it was there, you did do some, um, some like promo with them, right? Around it. Uh, yeah, well, they interviewed me, and then and then this is the first time this ever happened. Well, no, it's not. TikTok did this to me. Usually, if an article exists online or anywhere about me, the person's called me, we've talked, and I know it's coming. All of a sudden, I started seeing my name and sides and everything, and straight men with men everywhere in all different countries talking about me as if they had interviewed me, but they were just pulling from other things. And I'm like, that was kind of scary, too. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want them to misquote me. And it was out of my hands. That's, I guess, what happened. And I wasn't used to that. But it actually has turned out great. That's really good. That's really good. I, so I think I'm going to be the voice of, like, the ignorant people because I'm sure people are having these questions. So at risk of getting canceled. Um, <laughs> I, like, I love topping and bottoming so much that I'm, like, I always think, like, is there is there a trauma like from a non-judgmental standpoint? Mm-hmm. Is there a fear? Is there something that like is a hurdle? And like you have identified as this for a very long time, so you're very confident in this. You're a sex therapist, so I, I'm assuming that you would say no. But it's something that I wonder, and I'm thinking that listeners will wonder. So I want to like bring that up because it is something that we are so hardcore about in our community as well. Like even in sexual encounters that I've had that were completely fulfilling, but we didn't have anal sex. I'm like, oh, we didn't really have sex, but we did. It just wasn't yeah. anal sex. And it's so funny because that is like, we are sort of obsessed with that in our community. So talk me through that a little bit in terms of like some of the, not like hateful feedback, but just like inquisitive feedback of, but have you tried it? Or like, I even, I even, this is, this is bad, but like, if I meet a guy that's like, I'm 100% a top, I'm like, well, but it, it's funny, like, it makes me want to be like, okay, but I want to top you. Like, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's so arrogant. It's so terrible. It's not a flattering <laughs> trait for myself. Um, it's like, it's a bit of toxic masculinity in me. It's like, well, you haven't done it with me. Um, which is funny, because I don't do that to guys that are 100% bottoms. But anyway, that's interesting. It's a lot to unpack, right? It's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I just assume that a guy, this I'm going way down a trail. I think that there's something about a guy that's like, oh, I'm 100% top, that I feel like he's carrying this like internalized homophobia and that that's why he won't bottom. And so I feel like I want to like break that down and that like I'll be patient and gentle and he's going to love it. And I don't know, it's very, there's a lot to unpack. He might just hate it. You might just hate it. Right. You need to leave him alone is yeah. what I need. Like, I just hate it. Yeah. Um, no, you know what I, I would say? I always talk about we have a sexual orientation and we have an erotic orientation. Our sexual orientation is to whom we're attracted to. Our erotic orientation are things that turn us on that aren't necessarily legal or or go go al- aligned with our values. So your values are not to do that, but erotically it turns you on to maybe flip a top guy to a bottom guy. Some guys want to flip a straight guy to a gay guy. I mean, some people think about rape fantasies. That's erotic orientation rather than sexual orientation. So you shouldn't feel bad about it. It's just a it's your erotic interest. What happens yeah. if like your erotic orientation is like someone randomly holding your hand out of nowhere because that is what that's like one of the most like 
that's a fantasy to me. Like holding that's up great. is so intimate. It's like so, but in our community, it's like, that's laughable. You know what I mean? Because it's like, no, like, what do you mean? Like you should be like pissing on you in the shower or something. It's, <laughs> yes. like, it's like, it doesn't have to be like, I don't know. That I don't comes know. right after the handholding. Right, it's, exactly. It's a, See, that's what I don't tell them. But yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. But I think I also too, like, uh, I mean, I feel like I have to thank you for this, for coining this term. I I, I agree. I, I think I, I resonate so much with your story and the idea of like not sleeping with a man on a first date or a second date and they like stick around for a little while and you're not having intercourse I guess you're not fucking and and then they go away and then you're just kind of like well it was nice to know you I guess but you know and maybe someday we would have but uh, you know it's just I don't know I mean I've been single now for what five going on six years I think and it's because of this it's just a pattern of men just wanting to fuck this is great now that there's like a a relatable term for this it's it's fantastic that's yeah. great. I'm so glad to offer that to people. And it's helped me up, obviously, as well. And I'll, I'll go back to your question. Yes, it could be from trauma. But even if it is from trauma, mm -hmm. I say that it's still okay to be aside. It's okay to say, you know what, I've had trauma. Maybe I've tried to work it through. But but not every, I, what I, I, I'd like you to ask these questions, but to make sure that we understand, like, not everybody, like, for me, it's not trauma. I had to really think about from the 80s, right? AIDS was horrible. Like what monkeypox is right now, even though monkeypox is not an STD, right? Yeah, um, but um, back then, we didn't know how you got AIDS. And it was sort of like COVID. Like, do you get it from a bathroom seat? We didn't know. So it was this horrible thing. And I always knew that predominantly the guys that got it were, were um, tops and bottoms. The predominance, they had told me. And I did volunteer work. But that didn't make me aside because I never thought about anal sex even when I was 12, 13, 14, 15. It didn't even occur to me. And I was looking at gay porn. I used to steal gay magazines from a local bookstore, put it in another magazine, and go home and jack off to them. And I would skip the, the penetration. I didn't like it. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so fascinating. I, it, it's educational for me because I think that I, like, not in a judgmental way, but I wonder, like, because I like it so much, I'm like, are you are you missing something? Are you missing out on something? And is it because of some societal thing or something? But it's quite the opposite. It's actually that it's, you're not missing anything because it's not what turns you on. So I think that's like super educational for me. And I'm happy to be sort of the naive one because I know that people listening to this may also have those thoughts. So yeah. I'll put myself on the line to just so we can get that message across. <laughs> but you were saying that you, you do feel like you may identify as this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I think I relate to this. Um, I, I mean, I, I think identification is like hard because it, it really does. It depends on the person, you know, whatever. So I, I don't. But I think as far as like top, bottom, like side, I would absolutely be in the side category. Mm -hmm. and, and and I didn't I thought it was a me thing, too. Right. So now that everybody's talking about it and there's so many people and I've seen videos about it on TikTok and um, we've had discussions about it now. You know, but it's it's great. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. that I'm I'm assigned. And, yeah. you know, that's not to say we I think when we were talking about it, you were like, well, maybe you're like a verse side because every once in a while, like you could. And I'm you not can be. even a thing. Right. So yeah. it's not completely out of the question for me, but it is it's not my favorite either one. And, 
you know, and to back to our conversation, which was a month or two ago, maybe, and you're like, don't you just want to like fuck some somebody? <laughs> like, don't you just want like a like a, a nice ass or whatever? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm verse, so I, I'm like. I want all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't feel that. So, so someone's like, I want none of it. I'm like, whoa. Um, but it's funny because you're not my only friend that has said this since this term has become more prevalent. Yeah. And I also saw a guy on TikTok the other day and he was like, I'm a side. I might top you, but I'm a side. Yeah. Like he, so people are coming out now is like verse side where like they're yes. primarily a side, but they yeah. may like to top or they may like to bottom sometimes but they're primarily aside. So I think it's really revolutionized the way that we have our sexuality. I also think too, it, it prevented me for a really long time, like even being on something like Grindr, right? Because that's generally the expectation. And so I wouldn't even go on because if I knew in the back of my head that nothing was really gonna happen and that I was certainly not gonna bottom or top or whatever, I just wouldn't even try to talk to people because after a while, like people kind of get annoyed with you, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, you know, and you just don't wanna deal with it anymore. They're like, oh, you're such a tease. And it's like, no, it's just not for me. I don't know. Right. No, I mean, it's true. Like a huge, I get called a tease constantly. Yeah. And I have a, my torso is on grinder because I'm in an open relationship. And so I look like a top. And so I'm constantly getting whole pictures. And I'm yeah. like, I'm eating a cheeseburger and I open it up and there's a hole. I'm like, I'm eating. I don't like holes and I don't want to see while I'm having a cheeseburger. <laughs> now, you might like that. I don't know, Sean, that might be your thing. But I just it's not my thing. And it, there is a lot of shaming and people want to superimpose identity politics over um, erotic interest and you can't do that that's yeah. what I that's the thing about your generation and this whole like it makes sense that identity politics has a place but like in my group people fight over like well no aside like I'm an orthodox side I've never tried it I'm not verse I'm just I, I'm not even into anything anal but we have guys that are verse they might top and bottom every once in a while they like butt play they like rimming they like to stick things up their butt they're still sides to me because it's a variation of it. But then the identity politic people in the room are like, no, 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 that can't happen. I'm not okay with that. Well, yeah. you don't have to be okay with that. They're okay with that, you know? Or, or too, you know, I have like, if I do hook up with somebody um, and you know, there's no penetration, I'll like come home, I'll like be telling my roommates about it and they're like, well, did you fuck? And I'm like, well, no, we hooked up. And they're like, no, you didn't. Like, no. And it's, it's just a lot of that from yeah. like every side. It's like, okay, am I not even a gay man? Like, what is this? You know? But well, it- I'll tell you what I think it is. It's heteronormativity. It's we are we have copied penetration is sex. Intercourse yeah. has to be sex. And yeah. I think it's a copy from heterosexuality of one's a top, one's a bottom, and intercourse is the only way. And I'm constantly telling my clients, no, if you still had sex if you had foreplay. That's sex. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, That's so, fascinating mm-hmm. because I think a lot of the men out there would be like heteronormative, like no way, like, you know, but it, that is what it is, you know, like that's, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I've said like it. Binary system. That's. hundred. Say it again. Binary system. hundred percent. That's what it is. It's easier for people to put things in easy categories, you know? Yeah. People understand this in the kink and fetish community, because I don't know if you know this, if you're into BDSM or you're into foot fetish or you're into, I don't know, whatever else is out there spanking, they do not complete the act 
with um, intercourse or genital play or orgasm all the time. And it's still a completed act for them. Right. Right. That's true. That makes sense. That makes sense. To uh, go back to your previous thing, Joe, I will accept your whole picks uh, on Grindr. <laughs> However, I do have uh, I do have it set to not at first. I like that Grinder has that as well hmm. because, like, do not just send me a like. That's a thing that's so predominant on Grinder is you just get a picture of a hole or a dick yeah. and it's like yeah. how what happened to hello? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that is hello for them. Like, I do want the pics, but, like, check with me first. Maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, particularly from the person sending them. Like, it's, right. it's. I like the grinder. I, I like that they're listening. Like, I feel like they're open yes. to evolving as they get feedback. And I think that's a really good thing about them. Because, mm-hmm. yes, I do want not safe for work pics. But uh, please ask first. Right. <laughs> Say hello. Because also, like... I like I also need to have like some sort of bond with someone before I'm just like, you know, going right to it. That's that's actually one of the topics that I have on my list is I I before COVID was very comfortable for the most part having like hookups from Grinder, like having people over, going to their house, like and now I just find that I have an incredible amount of anxiety around it and I can't like relax I can't and it's it's fine because maybe I just have less sex than I used to but it's like I'm trying to regain something that I used to have and it doesn't feel related to COVID in that like I'm not afraid of germs or something like that but it's like I just am out of practice and I feel like I've lost this bit of my sexual identity that I used to have and I was curious that in your practice are you seeing this after COVID where people's sexuality is different that they just being like you know in my house for two years it's just right um and it's funny because i can go to sexually charged environments i can go to clubs and hook up with people but when it's like planned out and maybe i always had a little bit bit of this anxiety but it feels just like tenfold now i just Mm -hmm. cannot regain maybe i've aged and i'm wiser (laughs) that's what i was thinking what it is but i just cannot get this like I can't get it back. It's weird. I know. I When I was in my 20s, I did all ki- kinds of stuff. And I think back and I'm like, wow, I did it at gas stations and bathrooms. And I had strangers I didn't know. And I'm like all this stuff I was doing. And then I got married and my relationship. And then when I turned 50, I was like, no, I'm, I'm kind of kinky. And I want to do some of that stuff. So I started doing stuff like that again. But it was different because I, but even though I did some dangerous things, I thought I probably shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Um, it was like more m- mindful because maybe you're maturing. There's been a time out and it is kind of scary. Like we're, we, we do it and we're often safe, but are we really bring somebody into your home? You don't know who they are. Did you tell anybody you were bringing that person? Do you know their name? There's all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm noticing that differently in my clients though, as much. So it could be a maturity thing for you, or it could be just the whole pandemic. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I relate to that too. Also, um, Sean and uh, and you know it, it's again back to my room. So I live in a household of gays. So there's a lot of discussion going on constantly. But it's sort of similar for me. And and again, they're always kind of like, oh, like you just need to get laid. Like you just need to go get fucked. You know, whatever. And they're like, you're so vanilla. You know, blah blah blah. Like you don't really sleep around. But I, I always bring it up to them. I'm like, yeah, but I did. Like when I was younger and I moved here when I was what 17 to New York. 
um, like I was like hooking up with guys and I was going on dates all the time. And I feel like part of me sort of got it out of my system a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much in that period of my life, things that I like, things that I don't like. And half the time, you know, in the last two or three years, it's like when I do have a hookup or a sexual experience with someone, it's kind of subpar. It's just sort of like, eh, you know, it's okay. Right. And I, I'm not like the the effort and the planning and everything to to put into something like that for it to just be okay. It's like I'd rather not. I'd rather sit at home and read a good book with a glass of mm-hmm. wine, to be honest, because yeah. I'm I know that I'm gonna enjoy that versus like taking the risk to like go somewhere or have someone over and then it's awkward and you know it just I don't know like I had my fun and I know what I want and it's usually just not a random hookup anymore yeah I think maybe I'm just mature yeah because I I actually feel like because you can say like oh I want this I'm into that but there's no um there's no accounting for chemistry. So like right. what's on Grinder when it shows up in person, sometimes it's really good. It's like tenfold better. And it's like, oh, that was really great. And sometimes it's the opposite. And it's like, well, we're here now. So like, yeah. <laughs> like it's so fucking yeah. awkward. Yeah. I had um, to like fake cry once to get out of it. Really? So it was like, oh. <laughs> X, like, I'm so sorry. Cause I just wasn't into it when he got over it. It's yeah. like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to whoever that was. I don't even remember. But if they're you listening, know, some people would say to you and have said to me, "Are you asexual then?" Because they only think of penetrative sex as sex, and I'm not asexual. I'm very sexual. I'm just, and so are you. You're attracted to and want to do sexual things. It's just, it's got to be. It's more relational for you. It sounds like, and game, and men in general have a hard time with that. Mm. Yeah, I know. After COVID, I'm like, uh. You know, monogamy is looking real cute lately. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, especially with monkeypox being uh, a thing. We should talk about monkeypox quickly as well. Just do you have like a general reaction to it? I think that like our generation. So I'm in my 30s. Lucas is in his 20s. You're in your 50s. So we all have different viewpoints of HIV and AIDS and how that affected our psyche. Um, but I just find this so triggering and I was, I was lucky because I sort of missed it. Like I just, I really, I missed it and it was all around Mm -hmm. growing up in the nineties, but I didn't, by the time I was sexually active, um, you know, there were so many medications. It wasn't, it it wasn't a life-threatening disease anymore. And then, you know, I had a couple of monogamous relationships by the time I was out of those prep was here and so I really didn't it's weird because I have this sort of trauma around it because I grew up with it and I'm a gay person and I remember coming out and thinking you know your parents are like oh my god but um you know I I missed it and you missed it even more oh completely but it's still like in our like under you know an undertone it's like in our psyche I feel like is gay men and now we have monkeypox, which is Mm. obviously not in in so many ways not comparable but in so many ways, it's very triggering and very similar. Yeah. What do you see as like going to be the long-term effects of this for our community? If there's any, maybe maybe everyone will get vaccinated and it'll be fine. But do you have any sort of thoughts on it? Well, I'm probably going to get canceled from what I'm about to say. <laughs> you know, we're always worried about being canceled, but I do think that um, gay men are irresponsible. I, I just do. I think men are irresponsible, and without a woman forcing responsibility, then gay men are even more so. And I do think this is a time to 
time out. Let's get a handle on this. Let's get vaccinated. Stop the party. Stop the sexuality. Just take a fucking minute out and just take a pause. I agree. And people are like, well, I can't do that. Even with COVID in Provincetown last year, we did. We canceled our Provincetown because my husband and I said people aren't responsible. They're in these. And it's not like there's anything wrong with orgies or dance circuit parties or whatever. You're on top of each other. But when we have something to fear and something serious. And if you read, you, I don't know if you follow Dr. Carlton on yeah. TikTok, he's great, right? Yeah. He's sharing stories. People are in a lot of pain. This is not a gay disease, but the problem is, or even an STD, the problem is that gay men hook up more than lesbians, straight men, and straight women. We just do, because we can. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are times to take a pause. And yeah. I think this is it. There's a time and a place, right? Like that's something that my dad used to say all the time. Yeah. It's like th this, in my opinion, is is sort of one of those. And I think one of the, the one of the long lasting effects that I think this has the potential to have in our community is so obviously it's it's awful, and I've heard terrible stories about how painful it is and everything. But you you get through it. You know, it it goes away. It takes you know three to five weeks or whatnot, and then you'll be okay. But I think what's going on politically right now in this country and how terribly in a lot of states like gay men are just under attack from the right, this in the wrong hands will so easily be used as a weapon against us to yes. be like, see, see, like gay men yeah. are a problem. Like they're spreading this terrible thing again. See, like it's, and that's what I think is going to end up I think it's going to be used as a tool against us to strip us of further rights. I think what's so sad is that's exactly what happened in the 80s. So right. here we are. How many years later is this? 40 years later? Yep. Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people's fear about it. Why do you think we can't take a break? I think some of it is like our programming as men, like we have just a lot of libido. But I also think like how much of our identity and our validation is wrapped oh. up in our sexuality. Yeah. Like yes. there, I think it's more complicated to take a break for us in some ways. Like we've wrapped our identity and our validation up in our sexuality. And I think that's why it's such a problem. Yeah. And it's like a missed opportunity, right? So I understand that if you're, you know, on a diet and you, you're not eating the food you like and then you're being bombarded with the food you like, you know, like if you're young and you're cute and you're out with a bunch of other young and cute guys and you're at the parties, I get it. It's your impulse control is um, impaired a little bit. But mm -hmm. and I think that people just also don't want to be policed. They have spent their whole life growing up being policed and subdued and oppressed and suppressed. And now this feels like you're going to do this to me again. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Mm. I, and particularly right after COVID as well. For those of us that behaved during COVID, it's like we're ready to no longer behave. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. Right. Um, OK, so on Instagram, I posted a question to get anonymous questions for you. All right. And I think I only got one that was really good. People didn't understand and were just asking me questions, <laughs> um, some of them inappropriate. But the one that I got was really good. So somebody said, how do you go about refinding yourself in a relationship after going through many big changes, having kids, new jobs, shift in household and responsibilities was their question. Do you have like a, a bit of advice for that person? What is it? What is it refining themselves? refinding like they feel oh. 
it sounds like they're feeling a little lost. It says after going through many big changes, having kids, new jobs, shifts in household responsibilities. So it sounds like there's been a lot of changes in their relationship. Mm. Um, maybe roles in the household, maybe someone will stay at home and other not, or they switched or, um, you know, obviously they have kids now and used to not. Um, and I guess they're feeling a bit lost. So here's what I say. I've been in a 30 year relationship and you cannot be on auto renewal on your relationship. You must keep checking in. How have things changed? And Mike and I have done this. We probably almost separated several times. One time he told me I was too angry. And if I didn't manage my anger and my reactivity, he was going to leave. And then I later then I did. And then he had an issue. And I said, if you don't correct this, I'm going to leave. And so those are sad crisis points. But you need to have conversations. How are we doing? Are we still in the same place? The kids are here now. Your job's here now. Things have changed financially. Are we still? And this is what people don't do. They don't check in and have conversations. And then they end up, I think that's why the universe made therapists, right? Because then they end up coming to me. But yeah. they, you don't have to if you're having an ongoing conversation. I I love that you said that. I feel like everyone I know that's had a very long lasting relationship, they've had <clears throat> a point or several points in their relationship where they almost broke up. <laughs> Like, it, yeah. I think that people don't know that that's actually part of it, that it gets really hard sometimes and that you have to do the work consistently. So when those, you know, bumpier roads come, they're like, oh, this is the end because they're also dreading the end. Like everyone is like probably afraid of the breakup when they're in a relationship. Yes. So when they see the the bumpiness, they're like, this is this is it. This is what I've been afraid of instead of just like slowing down and doing the work. And I guess it's easy for me to say because I'm single, but like this is what <laughs> I've observed in successful relationships you have to keep doing the check-ins both on yourself and in your relationship i would say it's right? a constant recommitment constant recommitment and people don't know that they think once i commit I, we're committed well that's not that's not auto renewal i mean that is auto renewal and that's not a relationship right yeah. i'm reading a that's book great. by uh glennon doyle she's a she's an author and podcast uh person but she says if you're having a hard time like if you're having any pain uh or anything like that going through a difficult time she said what you have is a life <laughs> because mm. um essentially you know it's not meant to be easy i'm not saying it as eloquently as as she said it but it's hard and if it's hard you're doing it right it's not be, it's not hard because you're doing it wrong it's hard because you're doing it right you're showing up and you're having the tough conversations and you're working on yourself life is hard and there's a lot of beautiful moments but you have to be willing to do the work and stay present or it'll just sort of wash over you and our culture doesn't teach that our culture makes it look like it's easy and we, right. and if you have these problems you need to go and even if you tell a par somebody hey i'm having problems with my partner people are like well then leave them like relationships are disposable let's go yeah, yeah. I, I think it's being exasperated too like when when you were talking about that i was thinking about like the idea of like um like some influencers and things on Instagram and TikTok about like oh, our beautiful relationship and like now we're at the beach and like, you know, whatever. And um, I, I think like a lot of, or like the van life, you know, sort of stuff. And it's just all posed as this like beautiful, perfect thing, but it's not, you know, right. but then the people, especially, you know, uh, Gen, what is it? Gen Z, even below me, like growing up with this, like we're starting to see a bit of a rejection of that because they're understanding even as they're becoming adults, like, oh, it's not perfect and beautiful and that's okay. Like that's, that's a life when yeah. it's not right. So yes. I think it's yeah. kind of interesting too. Yeah.
even open relationships I see mm-hmm. like like that really only works if you're willing to do the work like people think like oh this will be great we'll all get to do what we want but the mm-hmm. last time I've seen it work is when the people have consistent conversations all the time about yeah. how it's feeling how it's working it's like it's a living thing it grows and changes so yes yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? I even tell people, though, if you're in a monogamous relationship, I'll ask my clients, what is your your um, orientation, your relationship orientation? Monogamous, monogamish, like Dan Savage would say, open, poly. And if they tell me they're monogamous, I say to them, have you negotiated your monogamy? And people look at me like, what? What is it to negotiate? Can you masturbate? Can you look at porn? Can you have cyber sex with somebody in Romania? Can you have, you know, and pe- one partner's like, well, yeah, that's still monogamy. And the other partner's like, no, it's not. Ah. They still have to negotiate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good call out. All right. I think that that's all the things that I had on my list to talk about. Is there anything that you want to plug? Where can we find more of you? Because this was fantastic. Well, I love this. And I wish we could even redo this or do another one where the whole topic of intergenerational, you being younger and me being older. I love that we're having this, that you're younger, that I can learn from you. Because when I was your age, I would try to learn from guys that are my age. And that is not the case still in this um, culture, in the Mm -hmm. gay male culture. There still isn't this willingness because there's all this tension about are you a perpetrator? Are you, uh, you know, sexualizing me? Anyways, not to end on some heavy note, but it would be great to have some kind of a, a thing about that with you both. Yeah, no, I would love to do, I would love to do a topic like that. I, I treasure the older people in our community because, um, I just think that they're, they have so much to teach us and they've seen so much and so many of them didn't get to make it to this point. Like we lost so many people to AIDS and so, and also so many other things that weren't AIDS, um, so I, I just think that it's a treasure to have older people from our community to hear their experiences. So I love that. I, I had a full conversation at the Eagle one time with this guy that was like 80 years old. And I know that he oh. wanted to have sex with me and he was probably annoyed that I wasn't going to have sex with him. But I was <laughs> like, I was like, how long have you been coming here? And like, what was New York like? And he would probably was like, I hate this. This is not why I'm talking to you. <laughs> I mean, he started the conversation, but I think a lot of people would have been like, ew, gross. And it's like, no, he's here for the same fucking reason I'm here. Yeah. So, right. no, absolutely. I would love to do an episode like that. Let's talk about it and figure out like what our sort of table of contents can be. And we'll, we'll definitely do that. All right. And yeah, so if you want to know how to find me, you can always go to my website, which is my name, joecourt.com, J-O-E-K-O-R-T. And then all my social media is at Dr. Joe Court, D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all that. Amazing. Lucas, where can people find more of you if they would like to? Yeah, um, on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, but I don't post because I'm too afraid of it. But we uh, we love it. And I'm on Instagram at Luca, L-U-C-A dot go lightly. Amazing. I'm also on TikTok. I'm I don't do TikTok either. I I feel like I'm a big ham, but it's I can't. You have to teach me, Joe. I, I yeah, just, I'll teach you. And I, it's just navigating the hate that's the most most because you have a lot to say, and that's all I'm doing is getting on the camera and talking. You could do that, but it's the hate that you got to manage. 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. People can find me uh, wherever you listen to podcasts uh, at Sean L Show on Instagram and Twitter. Joe, this was so fun. Thank you so much for doing this with us. I definitely want to have you back. I really appreciate your time making time for us this morning. So um, have a beautiful day and we will we'll be in touch. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.